And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real, you're already working hard to earn your money, but how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own? Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Thursday, March 4th. And we are here to try to help you navigate your financial journey. If you've got a question that's bugging you or just a general, maybe a comment about things going on, a lot of chatter about stimulus, et cetera, shoot us a note. Our email address is askjill at jillonmoney.com. And if you're on our website, if you're on the Jill on Money website, you can just click the contact button and we will get that form from you. Here is an email from another Jill. Okay. The subject is how much is too much cash in savings? Okay. Jill says, we are nearing a $100,000 balance in a generic savings account at our home bank, and it doesn't provide much interest. We're adding $1,500 a month to the balance. My husband and I are 40 and 38. We gross about $220,000 a year, no kids. We have combined 401k savings of nearly $400,000. I saved the max and we plan on increasing my husband's deferral also to the max. What should we do with our cash savings to get something better in return? How much is too much in cash? Well, look, the only thing you need in cash really is six to 12 months of living expenses. And if you've got that already saved and you don't need any of this money within the next year or so, and there's just a ton of extra money in cash, then I'm wondering, is it because you have a very low risk tolerance that you have all this money in cash or is something else going on? I mean, I don't know. Are you saving for some other goal? 
because then cash can work. But let's presume that I'm going to just make this up. Let's presume that out of that hundred, you really only need 50 grand. That's your emergency reserve. What should you do with the balance? I would open a non-retirement investment account. I would do that at any of the usual suspects. And the usual suspects are the ones that you hear me talking about all the time. What are those? Those are Vanguard, Fidelity, Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade, T. Rowe Price, any place that you can find a low-cost index fund world. That would be the place to go. Now, if you're just really wimpy and you're freaking out and you really just want to have extra cash, you can always go to depositaccounts.com. That's an aggregation site that will help you navigate the different options for cash and CDs, et cetera. So I hope that helps, Jill. Thank you very much for writing in. We just love that. Okay. Here is a note from Renee who says, is it better to invest with a bank or an investment company? Here's the thing, Renee, it's best to invest at a place, as I just said, where you get the cheapest possible options. That is rarely a bank, really rarely a bank. Now, it's also rarely a big wirehouse like the one you're asking about, meaning it's rarely a big company that does a ton of advertising out there. It's usually the plain old index fund type of places, as I said, T. Rowe Price, TD Ameritrade, Vanguard, Schwab, Fidelity. If you want some advice, you can try a robo-advisor. The sponsor of uh, our radio show, our sister broadcast, is Facet Wealth. You might want to check that out if you want advice, but you can also check out Betterment, Wealthfront, Vanguard Personal Service Advisor, Schwab Intelligent Portfolio, all these places. Those are opportunities for you. This is from Anne, who says, Many thanks to you and Mark for all you've done over the years. I've been listening for several years. I thoroughly enjoy the show. The question I have for you is about an item in my mother's portfolio, an annuity. I don't have much experience with annuities. I know there are traps and pitfalls to be avoided. Okay, here's what she's got. Mom owns an Allianz Master Dex 10 annuity inside of an IRA. Already I'm like, I have like a heaviness in my chest, Mark. (laughs) Right before we were coming to do this show, I said to Mark, I want to get someone on the air who is an annuity specialist who can tell us about lower cost annuity options. Because I'm not, I'm not constitutionally opposed to annuities, but I am worried that they get oversold. Okay. So that's really the, the most important piece of this. Annuities in and of themselves are not bad. It's just that they, um, for example, in this case where Anne's mother was sold an annuity inside of an IRA contract, I don't love that. Anyway, mom put in $66,000. It was a bonus. This is back in 2005. A bonus of $6,600 went in. And then the contract year ended in early November. She said when she looked at this contract, she found out that essentially... There are monthly caps, et cetera. But the the bottom line is that she didn't think that there was as much money in there as she thought should be there. Okay. She says there's three options. Keep the product as is and take the required minimum distributions for this year. Take a cash payout as a transfer to another IRA or start the annuitization. 
Am I right to conclude that annuitizing would be the best option to increase income from this account? Am I missing anything? All right. Mom's 86. She's got IRAs of 321000 including this annuity. She also gets social security and investment income from a trust from her dad. I think that annuitization might make sense, but what I would do is this. The problem with a lot of annuity contracts is they are essentially mathematical equations. And without going into your lengthy mathematical equation here, my guess is that if you annuitize, you do get the most value. But if you want total control over these assets, then what happens is you really are left with rolling this money to another IRA. So what's the what's the upside and the downside? I think that mathematically, the annuitization may make sense. The problem is once you annuitize, you lose that total value of that account. It's sort of like you've turned the clock on for that 60 uh, something thousand dollars, which is now about $48,000. So here's what I think. I think it's worth maybe having somebody look at this, but my inclination, I don't know how you feel, Mark, is to roll everything over, have one IRA account, make it simple, and that she can take the required minimum distribution from that account, keep the risk low, she's 86 years old, and hopefully go from there. Do you have a different opinion about that, Mark? Less is more. He's a simple kind of guy. This is from Joel. He's 72. He's retired. He's got a 401k. It has $600,000 and about uh, three quarters of that is in government bonds at various rates. Oof. I have two houses that are paid off and will be selling one soon. Half a million dollars. I did well with bonds over the last three years. Um, I'm starting to lose that money now with rates rising. So basically, what should he do next? I don't think having... I mean, look, I don't know why you have 75% in government bonds. I wouldn't be very interested in owning um, that much in government bonds right now. I would be looking at this total portfolio, which will be $1.1 million, and creating a game plan. I'm not into like guessing which asset class is going to do the best. I'm into figuring out what is it that you need from this portfolio, what does it need to generate, and then allocate accordingly. Okay? All right. I'm just going to this one because this is interesting. The subject is numbers, meanings. (laughs) Okay, here's a question from Jack. He wants to know, I think this is about the the stimulus plan. And he says, the numbers, the 75,000 for singles, 150,000 for married filing jointly. How is this determined? Is this after all the normal deductions or is it gross pay? There's a huge difference. You can earn $200,000 and show under $150,000 once those above-the-line deductions are created. In all the stories I've seen, the distinction is not discussed. Jack. Jack, this is adjusted gross income. So it is after you make those above-the-line deductions. So if you're looking at the stimulus and you want to know, you go to your adjusted gross income, that will determine whether you will be entitled to a stimulus check, one of those beautiful $1,400 jobbies, okay? All right, tomorrow morning, we will be getting the Bureau of Labor Statistics jobs report. Uh, I'll let you know kind of what's going on with that, but I I don't expect it to be a pretty, very different report than the previous ones, maybe 100, 100 and... 
I mean, it could be honestly zero jobs created to 150,000 jobs created. The unemployment rate is going to stay pretty close to 6.3%. Don't be surprised if there are some revisions to the previous months. But, um, you know, we're, we're poking along here on the jobs front until we get more people vaccinated. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't mind, please wash your hands, wear your masks, maintain your physical distancing, lift someone up today. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. 